there are some musicals we could do without. That's certainly true. Oklahoma. But then you wouldn't have all the Oklahoma songs. I actually don't like Oklahoma, but I like all the songs. And if you took out the Oklahoma songs, then you would no longer have that scene from When Harry Met Sally that's so iconic when they're like singing Surrey with a fringe on top and Ira walks in. That was a very you thing to do, Danielle. <laughs> it's like the dead silence after I said that was gold. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. That was very enthusiastic, Sam. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I can't be as dour as you when you start our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm dour. Everybody, am I dour? Well, then don't give me being too enthusiastic. Okay, well, I appreciate the enthusiasm. Sorry, this is Book Retorts. Yeah, this is the podcast where we don't just bicker like an old married couple. We... <laughs> We share our weird media finds with our friends. That too. I'm the friend. <laughs> yes, you are. And we're not an old married couple, to be clear. <laughs> that needed to be said. It may not be clear from our interaction, but we are in fact a continent apart. It's true, we are. But close to heart, Sam. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I don't want to go that far. <laughs> oh, we're going to start a lot of rumors with our families. Uh, that's all right. They can think what they want. <laughs> We know the truth, and the truth is, Danielle, our relationship is based entirely on weird media. That's true, and being on time to things. That is also true, but that is not really relevant to our podcast, so we'll leave that aside. <laughs> not, except we are always timely. If you want to hear about that, you should check our other podcast, Timed Retorts. <laughs> you know somebody's going to look that up. And be uh, like, they're oh. going to be disappointed. <laughs> All right, Danielle. All right, what are you doing? Today I brought for you something weird. It is the 1979 TV animated special, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Okay. It it is a thing. Why do you always bring weird stuff from like the 70s? Danielle, it's the 70s. It's like the capital of weird stuff time. (laughs) Yes, you're right. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, what do you want? It's all the drugs. (laughs) What was the last one? Oh, The Point. The Point? Yeah, that was a good one too. I don't think Space Press was the 80s, so, you know. 80s did some weird stuff, too, Danielle. I'll bring you all kinds of weird stuff from all kinds of eras. You do. You're very good at it. So this was produced by Nelvana for Canadian television, and it was a half-hour animated special, but it is just so chock-a-block full of insanity, Danielle, that I think we'll have plenty to talk about today. So my first question before we continue, you said, what was it called? No. Romeo and Juliet. Are those with, like... An O at the end, like a singular, like a hyphen O and the letter eight? Yeah. So the letter O and the number eight, the numeral eight. Are you sure it's not a zero? I am. I looked it up to be sure because I was also (laughs) like, that should be a zero, but they weren't that clever. (laughs) Well, you can't say Romy zero. (laughs) Sure. But you can still say Romy O and people would get it it because it's a good pun. It is. Okay, well, continue on. I just wanted to be clear. Is it about skateboarders? You know what? Actually, you know what? Now that I look it up again, there is (laughs) some contention- (laughs) <laughs> about whether it's zero or O, the Wikipedia page says zero, but the IMDb page says O. I just feel like it should be a zero. And you know what? I'm going to say it's a zero just because I feel like that's more clever. Okay, so Romy zero and no, Juliet. It's Romeo, <laughs> Danielle. There's no doubt. This isn't a book. We know how it's said. <laughs> All right, continue on. <laughs> All right, so you know what? Here, just read the description and we'll, we'll go from there. 
I forgot we do descriptions since I haven't been very good about bringing them to you lately. You haven't. Says, two rival robotics companies in the future release their latest creations at a robotics convention, claiming each to be the latest and greatest in in technological advances. That's a hard word today. Is it? (laughs) Mega Seller Company's release is a robot boy named Romy... Oh, or zero. Well, Super Solar Cybernetics has released a girl robot named Julie 8. Unforeseen to each of the company's <laughs> creators is how each of the advanced robots soon falls in love with the other. Do they have humanoid emotions? So, Danielle, we're going to get into all of this. I don't think anything in the description gives anything away because if you're all, all familiar with Romeo and Juliet, then we know where this was going. <laughs> I do think the most important part of this is Mega Stellar Company and Super Solar Cybernetics. Oh, Danielle, you were going to have some fun with the names in this episode, whatever you want to call it, special, cartoon special, because it's wild, Danielle. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's get right into it, because despite its brief 27-minute running time, I think we're going to be here a while. <laughs> we open with the titles appearing on a field of stars and sparkles in a Jetsons-like font, because, you know, obviously. The future. The future. <laughs> We fade to a very phallic orange building in a future city. We zoom in on the entrance with the words Megastellar above the door, and a voice says, Do you realize that the intergalactic robot show is only two days away? Are we ready? Question. Yes. What makes the building phallic? Um, it is, looks like, it looks like a penis, Danielle. I don't tell you. I mean, more so than most buildings. It's like domed. Yeah. It has like a round top and it's orange. Okay. <laughs> and it very clearly a, a penis. I'm sorry. Those, those exist in, in actual countries right now. So that's fine. Continue on. <laughs> no, I mean, they do. I'm not saying this is something unique to the future and all the future, all buildings will be phallus shaped because they're, they're phallus shaped now. <laughs> <laughs> we are in the future. So anyway, we, we see the voices from a very fat man holding a cigar at a desk and a chorus of men assure him that they are ready. He then demands to know where his robot is. Three scientists start a barbershop quartet, or I guess triplet song. <laughs> like it's not barbershop if there's not four. Well, they do the barbershop thing. Then they go, you know, one says, this is Romeo. He's the best. The other one goes, he makes junk heaps of the rest. And the third says, he passed the highest IQ test. Is this a musical? No, but there are like a few brief musical interludes. <laughs> I mean, sure, why not? Like, the characters don't normally burst into song in the in the show, but there are, like, a few musical set pieces. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll get to it, Danielle. Uh, the CEO tells them to save it for the convention, so I guess people just spontaneously burst into song in this universe, and it's not a musical because they would just assume that's regular and this is out of the ordinary for them. And I guess also he's implying that the scientists are supposed to perform at the convention. And I would think that convention would be a lot better if there were scientists regularly performing barbershop at them. I mean, I would assume I've never been to a science convention, so I'm assuming that actually does happen. This sounds more like a robotics trade convention or trade show. So I have not been to a robotics trade show either. Well, I can only assume that robots and humans sing. Okay, of course, it <laughs> must. Anyway, there's a robot that is just holding a curtain above Romeo, and he comes in. The curtain lifts, and there's Romeo! Fanfare blares. He looks very lifelike. Almost not like a robot at all, so I'm not sure why they had to make him a robot. Uh, he looks like a young man with green hair, or possibly a green helmet. And the fat man laughs and says, and they said it couldn't be done. And I'm wondering who said this, and what do they say couldn't be done? <laughs> Like, that he looks like a humanoid robot? <laughs> no idea. 
It is never clear what is so miraculous about Romeo's creation. Well, apparently he has human emotions because he falls in love with another robot. Well, Danielle, come on. Don't spoil anything. It was... Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) It's in the title, Sam. I mean, yeah, obviously it's not a spoiler. It's anyone who knows anything about what this alluding to knows what's going to happen here. (laughs) The CEO then goes, oh yeah, what's our competition? Super Solar up to? He then leans over his desk as a little toady guy, hands him a punch card because, you know, the 70s idea is what computers were like, (laughs) and indicates that their intelligence states that Super Solar Cybernetics is making something called a Julie 8, a girl robot that supposedly looks just like the Super Solar Chairwoman, which is really not very much intelligence at all. Like, all that they have in that intelligence is what the robot looks like and not of its capabilities. So the robot looks like what? The chairwoman of Super Solar, supposedly. They designed it after her. Only, of course, it doesn't look like her at all. While the guy is giving his little intelligence report, we cut to a scene of a lab slash doctor surgery room where (laughs) Juliette is picked up off the operating table. And she looks also like a very young woman with pippy long stocking like red pigtails and bears no resemblance to the chairwoman who is basically the same body shape as the CEO, like basically a circle. <laughs> and their only resemblance is they both have red hair. Okay. So I have another question unrelated. Yeah, please. This no, is Julie eight. Yes. So were there seven before her? I mean, this would be a great question, Dale. If there's Romy zero. Which would be it, the first one, one would assume. Would he be the first one or would he be like a, a beta release, a pre-release? I, I, I don't know. Maybe Romy <laughs> zero is farther along than Julie eight. I promise you, once we get to the convention, I'm going to open up some floodgates of questions about <laughs> the business models and the editor process for how these companies survive and what they do. I already have questions. <laughs> Yeah, your questions are totally valid, Danielle. I have no idea if there were eight more Julie 8s, if there's Julie 7 and Julie 6, or they just thought it would be a fun pun and they named her Julie 8. I would like to think there's a scrap heap somewhere up back with a bunch of mangled Julie 8-like bodies. Like, oh, that one doesn't talk. All right, throw it in the scrap heap. That'd be a more interesting story if Romy Zero fell in love with Julie 8, but there were seven others before her. And then they started to like come to life for for other various reasons. And now there's like eight of them and he had to figure out which one was his actual true love. Or better yet, it turned into like a, a weird paint your wagon situation. <laughs> Harem. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like a paint your wagon where they say, like, hey, let's just all get married yep. together. I'm down for that. I'd watch that cartoon. <laughs> I I do believe paint your wagon. Wasn't that, was that Charlton Heston or Clint Eastwood? Mm, I don't know. Anyway, he uh, was in a thruple. A thruple. Anyway, now, irrelevant. But yeah, that'd be really fun, Danielle. Clint Unfortunately, Eastwood. Sorry. It was, Clint, it was Clint Eastwood. Seemed important. <laughs> yeah, Okay. <laughs> Anyway, so yes, it would be great if there were more Juliet's around or Julie 5s or 4s or whatever. But unfortunately, we never see that. So Bummer. we'll have to remain in our imaginations. It is. It's living there run free. <laughs> <laughs> Just like this episode thing after I watched it and I cannot get it out of my head. <laughs> I'm sorry. So the CEO guy laughs at the thought of Super Solar and how they're claiming they have the most advanced robot ever built. And he says, we'll see about that. And then we diamond wipe to a shot of a bustling Jetsons-like looking convention center. We're talking curved, open, high in the air. We hear a voice say, here at the 75th annual robot convention, we have the long-awaited unveiling of a new generation of highly advanced electronic robots. Is there ever a year given? Uh, No, never, never, never a year. No, we have no idea if this is a 10 billion years in that future or maybe it's the distant past and we have since come full circle and, and like wrapped around the timeline again kind of star wars again i love it yeah exactly 
<laughs> it might even be Earth, frankly, with the way these people look so grotesque. Oh. <laughs> so his mention of electronic robots begs the question, are there non-electronic robots in this world? Like, are there steam-powered, like, steampunk robots or wood-burning robots? And why can't I see those? I mean, that would be cool. Right? Like, maybe it's like a robot to pedal really fast to keep it going. <laughs> So then we're shown a montage of truly useless looking robots at the convention. And I'm going to tell you about each one of them, Danielle, because we have the time. <laughs> oh gosh, okay. <laughs> so one looks like an old style wash tub with all these scrubber mops coming out of it. Like it's a floor scrubbing robot with an open water basin barrel so thing. They didn't see like the Roomba coming in. <laughs> no. <laughs> they didn't think, hey, maybe if we covered the water tank and use something besides like push broom style mops scrubbing <laughs> <laughs> One is literally just like a tape dispenser head, and it, but it's like a ribbon dispenser, and it tears the ribbon off and uses it to gift wrap presents. No, why? Why? I mean, I, <laughs> wrapping presents isn't that fun sometimes, but why? <laughs> it seems like something that would be very useless, and why make a head a tape dispenser? If it's it has probably dexterity. one of those things you'd buy on TV late at night. But my point is, if it has the dexterity to, to wrap a present and tie the ribbon, why does it give it a, like, a pack of ribbon? Why make its whole head a tape dispenser? <laughs> This looks cool. Also, I feel like that could be utilized for far better things than wrapping presents. Yeah, like what? What would you use the tape dispenser head robot thing for? I don't know. It could do surgery. It could do uh, band-aids. Sure. Uh, okay, <laughs> band-aids do... I buy. Surgery, I'm, I'm less sure on. <laughs> Ribbon. It could ribbon dance. It could be a gymnast. <laughs> Ribbon. I would also like to see that, Dan. Yeah, you're right. Could, those, those are better options all around. It could do, oh, it could do automatic, uh, like, the lines in the parking lots and on the roads. Like painting the, the parking lot yeah, lines. Yeah, like, there's got to be some way to tie that skill into but that. But we already do that with machines, Danielle. Yeah, but it would be by itself, automated, without a human. Yeah, but just have the robot drive the machine then. Sure, that would work too. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> well, this, but this, this is, is the 70s, point. Sam. I was trying to be futuristic for the 70s. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, you're going to love this one. This is my favorite one. The other one we see is a fly swatting bot, which has, it's like two fly swatting arms, right? Which, you know, makes sense. It swats flies. But then it has two other arms below that that end in symbols. <laughs> and it uses the symbols to try to smash the flies, which sounds like, A, way less effective than the fly swatters, and B, way more annoying. Like, <laughs> who would want that in their house? <laughs> Just going around and it's like making symbol noises all day long. <laughs> clash, 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 clash. I got the fly. I, I can't hear anymore. What? <laughs> Dumbest thing ever. And then the final robot we see is just a complete horror show. It is a many face monstrosity with like <laughs> no feet. It has like a, it has like a, uh, just a, a plus sign, like a stand and its torso spins around and has four arms and it juts out pointing in directions at random, just pointing in and saying incomprehensible things. And I hate it. I absolutely hate that thing. What's the purpose? We'll learn in a moment that that is a babysitting robot. No, why? <laughs> yeah. It's there as a companion for a child, a play companion that replaces it with babysitters and friends and parents, apparently. So does it have multiple faces so it can see the baby at all times? Uh, or give it nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you grew up with it, I guess you wouldn't find it nearly as weird. No, there's no way that thing is not a horror show from start to finish. But the moment you're born, you know that thing's wrong. <laughs> I hate it. So scary. 
It absolutely terrified. Uh, the thing freaked me out. And I have to be clear, it was saying something like a robot voice, but the sound quality on this was not great. I couldn't really make out a lot of what some of the robots were saying, so I apologize. So now we cut to a salesman at a booth who's telling a crowd that the last one is a wonderful companion for kids. No need for babysitters or friends. But while he's talking, a guy in what looks like a poker visor dumps a bowl of what looks like Cheetos into his vest slash shirt while no one's looking. Oh, okay. So he's just stealing the free samples, I guess. Does he show up later or is it just a weird side gag? Oh, he is an integral part of the story, Danielle. Oh, okay. <laughs> he is very important. Okay, Cheeto Stealer. So then some music starts and this funky beat and the CEO guy dances out onto a stage. I should mention he's wearing a red onesie as all future people will do wear onesies. I imagine that's true though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This movie has that style. And he starts singing about how amazing his new robot is. And then four what look like clones of him in faded red onesies rise up onto the stage to back up sing for him. <laughs> Already weird. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Danielle, this packs a lot of insanity into this thing. In the song, they claim their new release is more than bionic, more than a toy, more than a robot. He's a man-made boy. <laughs> this must be Romy Zero. It is absolutely Romeo. And I have serious questions here. First off, aren't all humans technically man-made? Man-made <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I, mean, I haven't met a person like, oh, yeah, I wasn't made by people. I was made by lightning strike. Like, unless you're like Zeus, like, or I guess, you know, pulling Athena out of your head or something. Like, all people are man-made people. Like, that's not a distinction. Like, congratulations, you've made a person. <laughs> But way more important than the semantic argument is, what is the purpose of Romeo? Like, what is the selling point for it? Like, they haven't talked about any of its features. Their biggest selling point is, it looks very human-like. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the only purpose that seems evident so far is 100% sexual. These are 100% sexual bots. I can only imagine. Bots. How old are these little, like, oh, how old did they appear? They look to be about like 15, 16. Look, no, it's so wrong. They, they look like the age of Romeo and Juliet from the actual play. Well, maybe a bit older but still i'm gonna pretend they're at least 18 because that'll make me feel better about them inevitably becoming sex toys if they're 18 they know they are barely 18 i'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> deeply concerning it is so it gets way more messed up danielle i can't wait to tell you oh no <laughs> anyway on the man-made boy line romeo materialized on top of a busby berkeley style set of stairs on the stage and they're like hey romeo does he dance his way down uh yes does he have a top hat no oh, unfortunately God. not lost opportunity <laughs> he actually seems kind of confused what's going on <laughs> <laughs> somebody should have programmed him better what was he thinking we'll get to how badly they programmed in a moment I also need to mention that the thief guy is in the audience watching all of this with great interest. Is he eating his Cheetos? Uh, no, he's just watching. The Cheetos never come back to you, I'm afraid. Why does he put all the Cheetos in there if not to eat them during the show? To establish him as a thief, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> Chronic pickpocket? <laughs> I guess he has a compulsion, Danielle. We shouldn't judge him. We should get him help. I'm assuming he's a kleptomaniac. He is something, Danielle. <laughs> so while he's in the audience watching this Romeo presentation, his attention is grabbed as the super solar chairwoman and her clones start a response song on an adjacent stage. Like, they join in and like, oh no, it's our turn to sing about our robot now. So was this planned, do you think? No, it was not planned. I <laughs> guarantee like, it. They just like jumped on stage and like, we have our own musical number. <laughs> right. They're like, they saw this guy 
really crazy. Like, oh, yeah, we can pull this off. Quick, get my clones ready. <laughs> we practiced the song karaoke the other night. Let's do it. Literally that. I'm sure they were like, maybe they had spies, like some corporate espionage. Like, okay, we know what their PlayStation is going to be. We saw them rehearsing it. We can do our own to like step on their. I can only hope that's the case. So her outfit, I should mention also, is a blue onesie with a small yellow skirt that sticks straight out, kind of like planetary rings. <laughs> so uh, her and her clones sing, oh, yeah. We got a brainchild. She never forgets. She's everything you dreamed of. Custom made. No. And as Juliet is revealed in that line, the thief guy gets a big, goofy smile on his face, and his eyes roll back in his head, and he faints. He's clearly totally horned up for the teenage child <laughs> robot so girl. Gross. No, he has. He's got the mega hots for her. It is absolutely repulsive. Deeply, deeply disturbing. It's absolutely crazy, Daniel. It's unconscionable. <laughs> then the chorus goes, you were made for each other. And it says that over and over and the songs are like, they start singing back and forth. But as that's happening in the background, Romeo and Juliet's eyes meet. They walk a little towards each other. And then Juliet's wrist is grabbed by the pervert thief. She tells him to let her go. And he says, oh, rattle your words, sweetheart. You're the best gadget I've ever seen. And I also should point out that I checked at this moment, we are three minutes and 16 seconds into this show. <laughs> that's intense. Also, is there nobody around this girl that sees him grab her? Oh, damn, yeah. <laughs> oh, damn, yeah. Robot. I, wait till you see how this resolves. And I'm going to ask you to hold on to that thought for just a second. I promise. Okay. So again, we're three minutes in. The density of insanity here is off the charts. So the pervert thief says, she'll do nicely and attempts to just walk off with her, which is not how conventions work, I think. <laughs> you just don't take the floor model. Also, also, these robots appear to be unique, as you said, like Julie ate, but she seems to be the only one ever. So I'm not sure like what the business model is. Are they selling copies of these? Or are they just selling? It's, I don't know what's going on here, Danielle. I don't know what the works. But Romeo grabs the thief, pervert, and says, you heard her, and hucks him into the washing robot where he's like, you know, mangled a little bit. Oh, good. He should have thrown him into the one that did the symbols. He kept clanging over his head. I think he goes to like a bunch of different robots and eventually Perfect. ends up in the washing one. <laughs> Although the horror show of the child robot never appears again, thankfully. It would have been funny to see him being like wrapped in a swaddle or something or getting a diaper put on. <laughs> the, uh, the wrapping robot does wrap him up in a nice gift wrap. He deserves worse. Oh, Danielle, it's not over yet. He's come back. So Romeo goes up to Juliet and, and he asks if she's all right. And then the CEO guy comes over and drags him away, telling him he did just great, but needs to be careful since he can't sell damaged goods. Like, don't get into fights because I can't sell damaged goods. Which, again, is their business model just to make two exorbitantly priced robots a year and then sell them to the rich perverts <laughs> who, like, bid on them? Is this, can, like, some weird virginity auction thing? I can only imagine, but with robots. It, it's absolutely horrifying. What like I can't fathom, like, oh, we just make unique, as lifelike as possible robots, and whoever bids the most gets to have their way with them. <laughs> and this sounds like a dystopian. It sounds like a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> It could be. Because I actually can't believe that would work. Like, I, I believe if someone tried that, it would be a viable business model. No, it really would. Actually, I 100% think this could be the future. It could be the present, Danielle, unfortunately. <laughs> well, if you could make the robots human enough, absolutely. People are already buying those real dolls and paying thousands of dollars. I'm sure you could, like, make it super exclusive, custom one of a kind, and, like, model it off of some, you know, famous porn star or something and try to sell it to some rich person. I worry about our takeaway from animated films. <laughs> did not. Did we just come up with a business idea? Are we starting a business here? I, I mean, we would make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right, nobody take this idea. It's ours. <laughs> Just don't publicize it, Sam. Cut it out. Uh, no, I, I mean, but then Danielle, it's too, it's too much of a good joke not to keep in. Oh, I guess. I'm a slave to the medium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the CEO tells Romeo he should probably stay away from that female junk pile of Juliet. At the same time, the chairwoman goes up to Juliet and complains about Romeo and how he ruined a perfectly good sale. So this back to your previous question, Danielle. She saw the thief pervert walking off with Julie, and she's like, "Oh, good, perfect. This is what I want to have happen at this convention." This random person walking off. <laughs> Did he pay for the robot? Was he planning to pay for the robot? How does this work? Since he stole the Cheetos, I'm going to assume that he was not planning on paying for the robot. But the chairwoman is like, "No, yeah, he won my perfectly good sale by throwing that scruffy-looking guy into the washing bot." It seems wild that you wouldn't keep a hold of your one unique robot for as long as possible to make as much money and as many debuts as possible from it. Or if like you are mass producing these, it's maybe not the big, that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Maybe there's a million of them in a factory somewhere. Yeah, but then there's also maybe think like maybe they don't sell the sex robots, they just rent them out. So it's like robo prostitution. <laughs> this is getting dark really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> this is a surprisingly dark thing. The, uh, animation. the moment you think about it for like 10 minutes, this world becomes a horror show. Perfect. So what happens next? So the uh, the chairwoman sees Juliet looking, staring longingly after Romeo, and she says, you can't like that impertinent bucket of bolts. To which Juliet replies, I think I do. I've never felt this way before. And I'm like, you've existed for like two days, Juliet. <laughs> Calm back down. anyway before. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, oh, I'm hungry. Never felt that way before either. Like, Yo, cool your jets there, Julie. You're not that special. It's weird that they interact with these robots like they're just actual humans. They happen to be debuting into life. And selling. Uh, <laughs> the chairwoman dismisses her saying that she's just a robot and can't have feelings. So honestly, like that should be true. Like, maybe they don't think robots can actually have feelings. It's make them respond in ways. But like she built Juliet. She should know like the software and if it you know, emulates feelings or not. Well, maybe it emulates feelings, but it's not actual feelings according to her. Then why is she like, you can't be feeling anything if she like, if I don't, it doesn't make any sense. Maybe she's defining feeling as like true feeling as opposed to like, you just think you're feeling that but in reality you're not because i think she i program. think it's either daniel i think this show doesn't know what it's talking about <laughs> yeah i don't think i don't know i don't think they put that much thought into it <laughs> they definitely did but i am <laughs> as usual well i feel like everybody has these thoughts when they watch robot tv shows <laughs> I, it depends on the one but yeah this one especially is like there are questions here so later that that night, I think it's that night, it's, la- it's later, Juliet is at a balcony. Well, it looks like a box with a, on top of a robot head, but they're actually like backstage at the convention, but it looks like they're in a dark alley. Mm-hmm. It's very confusing, but it's clearly just supposed to be the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet. And she muses that if she doesn't have feelings, how can she feel this way for a Romeo? Which is a good question, Juliet. It is a good question. You tell him. And then we cut to Romeo, where he extricates himself from some foam packing material inside a rocket-shaped box. Is that his bed? I guess what they sell him in, his packaging. Like, hey, take a Romeo home today in our robot and our, our rocket-shaped packaging. <laughs> our one Romeo Zero. <laughs> No clue. I mean, they drove me zero because that's how many of them exist. <laughs> and he, he declares that he must see Juliet again. Then Juliet says, of course, Romeo, Romeo, where are you, Romeo? <laughs> Which really changes the meaning of the wherefore out thou, Romeo, from like, what are you? What manner of person are you to? Like, hey, where you at? <laughs> 
Well, that's because mm, I think the average person, if they don't think too hard about the actual words of the time, would assume that's what it is. (laughs) Probably. So just as Juliet says this line, Romeo stumbles around below her and blue spotlights shoot out of her eyes as she sees him. So he like came out of the building? No, like they're in, they're both backstage at the convention. Still? Is the convention still going on? I don't know. When I first watched the scene, Danielle, I was convinced they were in some alley or from back alley somewhere, like later that night. Like Juliet was back at her headquarters or whatever. And it was only after they sneak out later, which we'll get to in literally seconds, that I realized, oh, they're still at the convention. That seems weird. Okay, so you have like two robots who apparently have terrible programming because they can't even stay inside their little crates. Yeah, no, no control over them at and all. And there's not like a single guard or anything out there nope. or like an off button that they should probably have used. Nope. Oh, but they're good. They don't have them. <laughs> this is how you get a robot uprising. <laughs> this is just 101. <laughs> Everyone knows this. So they confess they have feelings for one another, impossible as it might be. And since our companies have hated each other for years, they will, quote unquote, never let us fuse. Okay, question. Gross. <laughs> it is gross. However. Yes. Have they... Like, put that information into the robots. Danielle, Danielle, <laughs> these are really good questions. A, how do they know what fusing is? Like, why would you program into a robot? Like, why would you program robot sex into your robot? I mean, we I guess already, I know why. <laughs> yeah, okay. We already established why, Sam. Yeah, okay. But I still think it's like, what, what, I mean, like, robot to robot. I guess maybe if you like to watch. All right, so. <laughs> I had, that's exactly where my brain went. Okay. Never mind. I withdraw the question. But as to the rest of it, yeah. I don't know if, like, these robots were, if they if they maybe were around much longer than I suspect in learning things, or if they just dumped a bunch of information to their heads for no reason, but they somehow, like, intrinsically know this stuff, and I don't know why. I love the idea that the companies actually put a hatred of the other company into their head. <laughs> well, not a hatred. The knowledge of the rivalry, but not sure. any actual hatred for themselves. <laughs> well, yeah, because apparently they don't Which have Which seems emotions. less useful. <laughs> so Julie 8 suggests they run away. And so they do. They sneak out of the convention, and as soon as they get outside, they're assaulted by the noise, the traffic, and the lights of the big city. And they quickly become disoriented and lost. These are absurdly programmed robots. They're just teenagers. They're teenagers in robot bodies, Danielle. I don't know why anyone would... I, I guess... I can't say that. Dang it. I was going to say, I don't know why anyone would want a teenager in a robot body, but unfortunately, there's an answer out there I don't want to think about. Besides for that, we don't know why anybody would want a teenage robot body. Well, no, no. Teenage robot mind in a robot... I I don't know, Daniel. Like, even if you, even if the teenage robot body, you could have a, a less annoying stage of humanity be the brain. That's true. <laughs> this is getting. I'm sorry, everyone, for this conversation. I apologize <laughs> to all the gross undertones this has elicited. <laughs> we can try and keep it PG from here on out. <laughs> I mean, we've. I don't know if we can, Daniel. I, I promise you, we can't actually knowing where this story goes. Oh no! So Romeo laments that they're lost and have nowhere to go because, yeah, duh, you're robots with no owner, no knowledge, and no, like, credit or money or anything. So they didn't put, like, download maps of the city into their brains nope. or anything helpful? apparently not. Wild. But Juliet says to stay positive. What they need is just around the corner. And guess who they run into just around the corner, Danielle? Pizza. Pervert thief. Oh, I knew that. That was actually <laughs> my real guess. I was just wanting Hungry? pizza. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing your food preferences in the moment, Danielle. (laughs) 
Is he going to buy them? Oh, better, Danielle. The pervert thief tells him that he wants to apologize for his behavior earlier. He, he was, does not. He's a liar. And he explains his name is Gizmo. He's a junk merchant. And they are just super great robot. Oh, but they're out past robot curfew, which is very risky. They should be careful. There's and a robot Julie- curfew? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, Danielle, there may be a robot curfew, or he could be lying to these two people who know nothing. I don't I'd know. like to hope that he's lying because having a robot curfew seems insane. <laughs> no robots out past eight o'clock. Get inside. Like, and you want to know, you like, were that? they worried about the robot uprising? So why there's a curfew? Well, if there is a situation where you have lost control of your robots enough to need a robot curfew, but have enough control of your robot to maintain a robot curfew, then you don't need a robot curfew. You can just get rid of the robot. Like, this isn't a problem. <laughs> Like, I can't think of a space that those two things are true at the same time. I know, it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to assume he's making it up, because otherwise it just makes this world extremely complicated. Danielle, I think it's actually true, because they seem to believe him really well. And also, like, it fits into the insanity that is this universe, and it gets way crazier than this. Oh, gosh. So he continues to be all smarmy after Juliet explains that they're running away to be together. Like, oh, lovebirds, I get it. Well, I have the perfect place for a honeymoon where no one will bother you. So when she said that she was trying to, like, she knew where they were going or whatever she said, trying to... She said, like, don't worry, we'll have, like, what we need will be just around the corner. She's, like, trying to be optimistic. Oh, I thought she meant literally and then... No, she she had no idea. She's just like, like, chin up, I'm sure what we need is just around the corner. So, no, she she has no idea, Danielle. I'm sorry if that wasn't clear. (laughs) Just, I'd like to assume that she was working with him somehow. Oh, yeah. In in cahoots with Gizmo. No, I like the idea that she's actually working for the, her company, the Super Solar Cybernetics or whatever. And this is all like a ploy to get, to uh, to get Romy Zero to be kidnapped. So that Megastellar company, like, foil bankrupts. I don't know. It's certainly a possibility, but I promise you this gets way, way crazier than that. I mean, that was a pretty good story, Sam. It was a pretty good story, Dan. I would watch that. <laughs> it's way more like intrigue and, and like basic instinct kind of thing than, than this show is trying to be. And you'd never see it coming between Romy Zero and Juliet. Yeah, you thought they were made for each other, literally. By mistake, almost. <laughs> almost. Uh, until they go off with him. They're like, yeah, sure. Take us to wherever your secret hideaway is, dude. We trust you implicitly. <laughs> After you tried to kidnap me earlier. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that she was so against him kidnapping her, but then it's fine walking away. Well, she has Romy Zero there to help her. That's true. Okay, Dino. Oh, boy. There's a fade to black, and we come back with the naked chairwoman being massaged by robots as a conveyor belt desserts glides past her face and she just grabs them and stuffs them into her maw. I mean, isn't that just the dream of the future everybody wants? I saw this and thought, would that I could be that. <laughs> <laughs> there are my dreams in a nutshell. <laughs> One of her clones calls her on a video screen to tell her that Juliet is gone. So Wait, the clones like genuinely exist? I mean, they existed when they were dancing with them. Like they I know, they but I kind of thought they were like fake. Are they robots? No. Oh, that's even creepier. I don't think so. I just kind of thought they were like props for the show. I didn't actually think they were like fully functioning (laughs) creatures. I think they're the employees. No. Some of the employees. That's so scary. Why? Some uh, some of their employees are clones, I think. That's the only thing I know. Oh, that's deeply weird. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, maybe maybe this is more like everyone in the universe has quintuplets. Maybe. (laughs) That'd be less weird. I, I don't know. That'd be less weird. Uh, no, it's about it's less weird, Sam. <laughs> no, I think the clones are less weird in this universe. <laughs> you say so. 
But it also shows that she left the convention to go get her naked massage, leaving her priceless or whatever robot behind while I've been checking on it until one of her underlings called her. So yeah, somewhere in like the back bowels of the Yeah, backstage event. of the convention. So Wild. Yeah, no, these I don't understand the importance of these robots to these people's <laughs> businesses or how they're gonna make money from these robots or what their business models are. Which are the important things to understand about a half hour children's cartoon. <laughs> I, those are big questions that really should have an answer. <laughs> like, why are these things important? That's just basic storytelling. Yeah, I mean, they're important because they're special, and that's the only answer we get. <laughs> <laughs> but not special enough to take care of. No, not at all. Not just leaving backstages and packing material turned on, as you say. <laughs> so the chairwoman immediately jumps to the conclusion that Mega Stellar has stolen her Julie Gate to sabotage her company or, or something. So they cut to the CEO guy, naked, being scrubbed down in a very small bathtub. Comically small. It was up to his, like, ankles. That's talking on a phone, indignant about how he's being accused of theft. And so clearly, Super Solar stole Romeo. So then we cut to the two business people, dressed now only in towels, go to the balconies of their respective buildings to shout at each other because their neighbors, who are feet apart, their buildings are literally feet apart. Are they past lovers? <laughs> no, they are not past past lovers, Danielle. Are you positive? I am very positive, and you'll find out why by the end. <laughs> okay. Are they brother and sister? <laughs> oh, Danielle. No spoilers. <laughs> they both deny stealing. So eventually, after there's like someone chirps in, like if no one stole the robots and they must have run away, the chairwoman's like, oh, I know what happened. Juliet and Romeo ran away because they're in love, which is a heck of a conclusion to jump to when you just previously assert that robots cannot have feelings. Yeah, the only uh, proof we have of that is them looking forlornly at each other during the event. <laughs> yeah. And Juliet saying, I think I like him, which does <laughs> not immediately. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Does not. I don't go from I like him to run away with me forever. <laughs> the CEO insists that that's preposterous because robots can't have feelings because you need a heart, which uh... I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But he goes on to say that if that is true, then they have built monsters. And when the world finds out what they've done, they're in big trouble. They should be. I mean, they should already be in big trouble. I mean, with their with their shareholders, sure. But apparently, I guess, if the world finds out they made robots with actual feelings, they will be, I don't know, convicted or persecuted in some way, as opposed to, I don't know, heralded as a major scientific breakthrough. I, I don't understand, <laughs> like this universe at all yeah it seems like it would be like in every magazine and newspaper and they'd make up right. millions and billions of dollars like i'm not saying it would be controversial like there are people who would be like no that's a bad idea to make it feelings. is a bad idea <laughs> i might be one of them but there'll be other people who'd be like sure i would like that that's totally fine like people there are people all over that spectrum so they would definitely be able to make money off of it Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So the CEO says he has an idea. What they have to do is have to, he has to go and find those robots and rewire them so they don't have any feelings. But you don't even thought you didn't think they had feelings in the first place. How do you know how to rewire them so that they don't have feelings? <laughs> also, why would rewiring them get rid of the feelings? Is this a software problem? That's besides the point. <laughs> Uh, the chairwoman was all like, you'll need my help since you're so incompetent, so I'm going with you. And so as they're making this arguing back and forth, they're literally climbing up the outside of their building. Like, he is going from, like, balcony to balcony of his building. She's, like, riding an elevator in her towel up the side of her building. But they're talking to each other. Yeah. No, the animation is, like, frenetic in this. It's insane. <laughs> how can they hear each other? They're outside. The elevator's on the outside of the building. Like, she's a, it's like no, an open elevator. That's how it works. <laughs> Danielle. 
I don't I don't know if that's how it works, but that's what's happening. <laughs> okay, sure. And so as the chairwoman says, you'll need me, she literally jumps from her building to his building, and then the building literally blasts off. It's a giant rocket ship. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Which explains why it was so phallic. <laughs> Yes, rocket ships are kind of phallic. Well, I mean, everything that's kind of pointy is phallic, and there's lots of reasons to make pointy things. So, that's but true. These are especially so. <laughs> oh, boy. So that's like the first 10 minutes of this <laughs> thing. <laughs> Less, maybe. I need a breath. This is, this is so much. <laughs> You'll get there, Sam. I have, I have faith that you can get through the last 20 minutes of the show. All right. We cut to space, where a song about shooting through space and falling in love plays while a garbage barge piloted by Gizmo moves through the stars and Juliet and Romeo sit on they top of a pile space? of trash. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Danielle, this is the th- Gizmo <laughs> he, took him on his garbage barge to space. Driver, <laughs> he's a garbage garbage caller. Danielle, he takes garbage from places. He, I guess, he steals garbage and takes it to the garbage planet. I we'll just get to the garbage planet. I just thought he like stole stuff on Earth. I didn't realize they had space travel. <laughs> no, this is a big interstellar travel. Like, why do you think the rocket ship building blasted off? I don't know, Sam. I haven't thought that far yet. I just thought they were going to use it to travel to another part of the city or something. <laughs> No, no, this is, we're going to space, Danielle. Buckle up. I did not see that coming, even with the rocket ship. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is wild. I totally think it was wild. The density of insanity is off the charts. It's amazing. So again, this, this romance song is playing while Romeo and Juliet sit on top of a garbage barge, watching the planets and stars and space elephant things swim by before them and falling in love. Until the moment where Gizmo points out the planet that is his planet, which is made entirely of junk. It looks like Saturn if Saturn were made of trash. So is he like an alien from the planet or he just happens to own the planet or use the planet? He either owns it or like made it out of junk or whatever. He's definitely human. Oh, okay. No, no. He he asserts he is human later on in this show, which he could be lying about, but I tend to believe him. So they land, and he sets them loose on the garbage planet. He's like, okay, here you are. Go on. Enjoy your honeymoon on my garbage planet. <laughs> what is his point of taking these two things? Oh, Danielle, I can't wait till you get to the end of this, <laughs> and I try to unravel the convoluted plans of all the different parties in this. <laughs> okay. So, as Romeo and Juliet wander for a bit, they hear a song, and they find a giant metal robot with what looks like a kind of like cow-looking head with horns and stuff, singing about how he's obsessed with junk. And as he finishes the song, Romeo applauds. This feels like a musical. But the songs are like four seconds long, Danielle. They're they're not like, <laughs> and they don't advance the plot. They're not like telling story. They're it's just like musical music in interludes. This. Oh, there's a lot of music in it, Danielle, but no one like breaks into song to sing about how they're feeling or to advance the plot. It's all just like, oh, there's a musical number at the convention. Oh, he's sitting there playing his junk singing to himself. Like these are all situations where someone could be plausibly singing. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of music in it, but none of it is like the big production number where everyone starts singing and dancing and pretending like it's normal, like you would in, in most musicals. Okay. It's a distinction I think holds up. Sure. There's just a lot of singing in this. <laughs> there, There's a few like brief moments, yeah. Anyway, the giant metal robot guy, he's like, I'm in charge here. What I say goes, and you, Romeo, you got to go. And so he picks him up and like sticks him to a magnet that's suspended from like this conveyor belt, like a like a chairlift almost looks like wire that's going around the planet. And so Romeo is taken away by this magnetic chairlift thing while the other robot guy grabs Juliet and is like, well, now I have you all to myself. This is like a creepy version of Brave Little Toaster. Yeah. Everyone is horny for this Juliet robot, Danielle. That is the point that this show is trying to make. Of this teenage robot. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. 
By the way, My Life as a Teenage Robot, better teenage robot show. Just putting it out there. <laughs> Duly noted. So we cut to the squabbling business people who can't find their wayward robots anywhere. That's because oh, they're no. off planet. <laughs> well, they are in space too, Danielle. They're anchored to an asteroid. Squabble, they've looked everywhere in the universe, apparently, already. <laughs> How did they get all through all of Earth? When suddenly the CEO guy remembers that there's one place they haven't looked. The planet Trash-A-Lot. <laughs> you could have come up with a better name. <laughs> nope, it's Trash-A-Lot, Danielle. That's the name of this junk planet. <laughs> so off they go to Trash-A-Lot. Meanwhile, Romeo is dropped from the magnet down a pit and lands in a cave full of defunct robots, which is called Robot Row. The end of the line for all robots, which is explained to him by a clothes washing robot that he meets down there. Does he meet the rest of the Juliets? Juliets? Mm. Julie 1, Julie 2, Julie 3. The Julie numbers are not down there. That would have been awesome if they were. <laughs> that would have been such a good plot twist. You're like, well, forget Julie 8. I got seven others right here. Let's do this. <laughs> so this laundry bot talks like a, like a bad Ringo star impersonator. <laughs> and uh, Romeo tells the laundry bot that he's looking for his girlfriend. And the laundry bot says, uh, robots don't have feelings, so we can't have girlfriends, dude. I don't know what you're on about. And then Romeo insists that he loves her and that she's been kidnapped by Sparepartsky, which, how did he learn the name of that guy as Sparepartsky? I don't know. Also, the name Sparepartsky. <laughs> Sir Trashalot? <laughs> I mean, you would have thought it'd be Sir Trashalot, but no, it's Sir Partsky, the ruler of Trashalot. <laughs> what was his name? What did he, name did he give him? Gizmo? What do you mean? Gizmo. That was the other, that's the little man. So there's like two people? There's the little man, Gizmo, the human, uh-huh. and there's Sparepartsky, the robot ruler of the planet Trashalot. Oh, goodness. Okay. I said it was a robot like a cow head. I, well, okay. You know what? It, I had a lot of questions about the music at that point. <laughs> I got a little sidetracked. <laughs> no, no, no. Sparepartsky is the robot. Gizmo is the human. Got it. And Sparepartsky is like a giant robot. He's like huge. And all the robots in Robot Row freak out when they hear the name Sparsky or Sparsky, <laughs> since he's dangerous and turns all the robots into junk that he comes across. But the other robots do agree to help Romeo find Juliet by lowering a magic television screen that shows him where Juliet is now. Somehow it knows where she is, and it just shows him a outside picture of a junk castle where Juliet is being held by Sparsky. Okay, so. And Romeo- I, I have questions. I have questions. Let me finish this one thing and you'll have more questions, I promise. Okay. I'll say, Romeo says, oh, that's on the other side of the planet. Thanks, guys, and heads off. How does he know? <laughs> yeah, that, there it is. There, there's the question, Daniel. That's the question I knew you would have because I had that same question. How does he know where anything is on this junk planet? <laughs> oh, maybe it's programmed to do him. Um, <laughs> directions in the city where but this junk planet is. Uh, maybe it's passed on from his ancestors. Could be. Who knows? Deep in what are your other brain. questions, It's like Danielle. some kind of ancestral trauma. Anyway, my question yeah. is, is this planet actually made by Gizmo or just that he happens to like help inhabit it, inhabit it or add more trash for Sir Partsky? Partsky. What's his name? Spare Spartsky. I know. We keep wanting to say Sir Trash a lot, but it's Spare Partsky. Spare Partsky. We, we combine them into Sir Partsky. <laughs> This is like Serpinski's triangle. No. <laughs> so I want I want to assume that this planet already exists. That Sparepartsky is like the overlord of this planet, and that he's made an agreement uh-huh. with Gizmo to bring junk to this planet in exchange that for was I don't my know, assumption living as well. there or something. 
it, power. At, my, at this juncture, Danielle, that was my assumption that, that Gizmo is like a vassal of Spare Partsky who is tasked with bringing more junk to increase the junk wealth of Spare Partsky, who is a obsessive hoarder of junk. Is it ever resolved in any other way? Oh, kind of. I mean, Danielle, there is a resolution here. It's not what you're thinking. <laughs> I'm not thinking anything, Sam. This I did like you didn't even think you'd get to space. <laughs> <laughs> there is a resolution here, Danielle. We'll get to it. It's bonkers. <laughs> it's already bonkers. I don't know how Romeo knows Perparti's name or where his castle is on this planet, but he does, and he sets off to go save Juliet. Meanwhile, we cut to Juliet and Gizmo in Sparepartsky's castle. Gizmo is trying to tell Juliet to look on the bright side. Sparepartsky is not such a bad guy once you get to know him. He's not such a monster. I guess Gizmo was always planning to bring Juliet here to his boss, Sparepartsky, and not banging her himself. Which is better, maybe? Maybe, (laughs) but then his, like, gaga eyes he made at her don't make any sense to me. (laughs) Maybe he was hoping, like, if he brought her, he'd have it in. But also, the other question I have is, if Romeo and Juliet are the first robots with feelings, why does Sparepartsky have the hots for Juliet? Why wouldn't he? Well, if he's not, if, if no other robots in the universe have feelings. Maybe he often falls in love with inanimate objects, and then when he decides he's done with them, he throws them into the trash heap. But why would Sparepartsky have feelings to begin with if Juliet and Romeo are the first robots with feelings? Like, if this is a new phenomenon. Well, maybe they just never have been able to return his feelings, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe no one ever learned that Sparepartsky had feelings, and it was therefore unknown that it was already an existing thing. Like, maybe thing. he liked one of those washer robots that were thrown down into the pit, but obviously no, but they couldn't like him back. No, but is a robot, Danielle, is my point. I know, but he, maybe he was like some kind of weird hybrid robot, or maybe he put all the robot parts together and now is experiencing feelings where no other robot had been before. So, so, saying, so he had to be another anomaly that had hitherto been unknown. Sure, but he's like on a different planet, so I'm willing to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> He's made of spare parts, Sam. <laughs> well, Juliet insists that she'll never marry spare parts, But Gizmo is all like, if you marry him, maybe he'll let your boyfriend go and like live as opposed to letting him die on this trash planet. And Juliet is like immediately taking off this idea and is all like, you really think so? And Gizmo is like, sure, why not? I'll go talk to him, see if I can strike a deal for you. Will he ever die? If he's a robot, they'd have to destroy him, right? I mean, maybe Sparkarski likes to crush the robots in the junk, as alluded to by the robots in Robot Row. Right. I can only assume. Yeah. Also, I don't think Juliet would like to see Romeo desolate on a junk planet for his life, bereft of her. Maybe she'd rather see him get off-world, returned home, where he could lead a better life. I guess. I mean, she's trying to be selfless here, Danielle, is the point. <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't buying into it. No, of course not. So meanwhile, to some fun disco music, Romeo takes a montage across the planet. Yay! In the direction Yay. that he certainly knows how to go. And he knows how to, like, ford the river of junk and this is that. And he does it together. Perfect Romeo, perfect direction. I would, like, have him be my chauffeur because he knows how to get anywhere he wants to go whenever he wants to. Perfect. Later, Gizmo returns with a metal wedding dress, talking to Juliet that the deal is struck. And if she marries her party, Romeo will live. But Juliet is, you know, less than thrilled by this proposition. Go figure. <laughs> Romeo continues his montage till a diamond wipe takes us to him sneaking inside the castle city thing, disguised as junk. Juliet is in her chambers, alone, lamenting that Romeo has been set free, but now she can't marry that monster. She just can't do it. So, quote-unquote, happy circuit, this is thy end. And she pulls something sparking out of her body and says, there rust, and let me die, before collapsing. Okay, so 
she assumed that they told the truth. Yes. She didn't. She had no way of verifying this. And nor had she even fulfilled her end of the bargain by marrying Sir Partsky, uh, Spare Partsky. <laughs> Why Sir Partsky? <laughs> you, you poisoned my brain. I'm sorry. <laughs> nor has she, has she even upheld her end of the bargain by marrying Spare Partsky yet. Like, that was the condition. Yeah. She needs to bargain better. (laughs) Nope, but she decides that suicide is the way to go. And I would give a content warning here, but it's A, robot suicide, and B, it's robot suicide does not last because it's robots. (laughs) Meanwhile, Spare Partsky is affixing a metal cummerbund for getting ready for the wedding as the rocket building enters the planet's atmosphere and the ship is immediately snagged by a giant magnet sticking out of the ground. And then Spare Partsky is excited to have some new wedding guests to add to his entourage. So weird. Romeo enters Juliet's chambers and finds the doohooky she pulled out of herself and is like, oh, I can't lose you now. And he puts it back into her and is all, we're back together again. And she immediately wakes up and is so stoked to see him and they make a run for it. Which so again doesn't kill himself because she's dead. <laughs> no, she, he literally just puts her back together. And is like, let's get out of here, which highlights the lack of drama in Robot Suicide. And like, if her plan was, oh, this was her plan from the beginning, like, wouldn't Spare Partsky or Gizmo just put her back together again anyway? Wouldn't he just like walk in and be like, oh, boom. Uh, you're alive. Yeah. Let's get married. <laughs> it's literally like she took out her batteries. That's like all she did. And they're like, well, this is an intractable problem. She didn't problem, even but... hide the piece. <laughs> no, he just dropped it on the ground next to her and then collapsed because her power went out. Like, it was the most half-assed attempt at <laughs> evading this situation. It a was terrible. Yeah. So uh, the two squabbling business people are stuck in suspended net in Sparpartsky's lair. They argue about whose fault it is and how they're about to be killed when Romeo and Juliet walk into the room where they are and see them. This is when Romeo and Juliet declare their names of the business people, which hitherto I had not heard both these names before. I was just going to ask, did they have names? <laughs> their names are, quote unquote, Mr. Thunderbottom and Miss Fastbinder. Why? <laughs> Why not, Danielle? <laughs> they have first names? No. <laughs> not that i'm aware of i looked at the credits danielle the credits for the show they have the cast list but none of the characters it's just a list of names for the cast members not who they played that's a shame yeah so all i have is mr thunderbottom and ms fastbinder i like how one's a fairly normal last day but the other one's insane thunderbottom <laughs> <laughs> yeah one's kind of normal fastbinder and one's thunderbottom <laughs> So they all go around going, oh, Miss Fastbinder, Miss Thunderbottom, Juliet, Romeo, like the whole little name thing. And then they're all delighted to see each other and Romeo and Juliet release them from the net because they like them for some reason. Even though they didn't want them to be together? Yeah. I have no reason, I have no idea why they're feeling obligated to help these people who are like (laughs) an impediment to their happiness. It would have been funnier if they were just like, let's leave them there. That way we can get married and run off the planet. Yeah, basically. But meanwhile, Sparparsky is waiting by the altar in front of a pipe organ of trash while a truly awful, warbling rendition of the wedding march is played. (laughs) The guest robots and priest robot all look expectantly as the large double doors open. And as they open, immediately Romeo and Juliet and Thunderbottom and Fazbinder run into the chapel down the aisle by mistake, apparently, because as soon as they see Sparparsky, they look at him and they immediately hightail it the other way. How could they not know that was running into some kind of building or chapel? Right. Could they not hear the music of the wedding march playing? Could they not like, oh, giant double doors on an internal door. That's probably the chapel. (laughs) 
So they try to escape through the castle, and this is a truly confusing sequence of images. Like, there there are three or four different independent scenes here that seem entirely unrelated to space or time. I don't know (laughs) what order they happen in, and the episode doesn't seem to care either. So I'm going to go through it, and I'm sorry. (laughs) So as they escape, they go through this door, and there's a suspended bridge, like a very narrow catwalk with no rail, suspended over a pit of swirling trash, like a bottomless pit of trash, as more trash slowly rains from the sky and so they cross wait, this wait wait whoa whoa why is it raining from the sky and why is it swirling i don't know i don't know if it's actually swirling but maybe it is anyway i don't know Dan. and why is it falling slowly and not like a normal speed it's like <laughs> in low gravity i don't know danielle they just it's just a weird visual they throw because they cross this and then next scene they're in a completely different part of the castle and there's like these electronic beams, like these sparky beams, like flashing across the doorway and they wait until they go off and they time their way and they jump through the doorway. Okay. And then suddenly they're back in the chapel and Sparparsky is like trying to grab them and right behind them as they break for the front door. I really need to know why Sparparsky decided that he needed to booby trap his castle. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if there's booby traps or not. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Like, this whole sequence feels like it was just there to add time, and these <laughs> scenes are, un- like, they are completely unrelated from what happens next. Like, they don't, they, they don't seem to follow any chronological order. It, it feels like I'm in some kind of, like, memento or, or Slaughterhouse <laughs> Five moment where I'm, like, jumping through time. <laughs> I cannot explain how the sequence of events works or They're like how they relate to each other. fine. Yeah. Like how these rooms relate to each other spatially, I don't know because they go through all of that and they end up <laughs> back at the chapel door or like feet from it as Sparparsky crawls out of the chapel chasing after them. I can only imagine it was just a giant circle. It had to be. It had to be. So they rush outside with Sparparsky right behind them and then uh, Thunderbottom and Fastbinder trip. And they're all like, go on without us. Save yourselves. Yes, you should. Run. And that's exactly what I think. Yes. But no, Juliet and Romeo decide to carry the much larger than they are humans <laughs> and say like, we're in this together. But like, you most certainly are not. These people had no concern for your well-being before. And I don't know why you're so concerned with their well-being now. <laughs> yeah, they just came back to kidnap you. Or reprogram you and get your feelings destroyed. <laughs> So it's insane. Absolutely crazy. Sparaparsky is right behind them as they struggle to haul the very large business people out through the planet. And they're suddenly caught in a rust storm, which kicks up all around them. And a rust storm is just a dust storm made of rust, to be clear. I I got it. (laughs) Yeah. Only it also causes them to rust, apparently, because Romeo and Juliet begin to flag and rust up. And just before they reach the edge of the rust storm, they seize and they dump their cargo of Fastbinder and Thunderbottom off their shoulders who roll out of the dust storm or the rust storm into the clear without their robot friends. Is it just like attaching itself to them? I don't know, Danielle. They just seem to seize up. The rust storm caused them to seize up. Weird. Fastbinder and Thunderbomb see that they are free of the rust, but decide to rush in and save Romeo and Juliet by pulling them out of the dust storm, out of the rust storm into the clear. Well, I mean, you'd have to. That's all your money sitting in there. Right. Apparently, <laughs> your entire income is auctioning off these <laughs> nubile robots to the highest bidder. <laughs> and there's only one of each, so. <laughs> you better hope you can't make more of them. Also, couldn't they just make more of them? Isn't that a thing they can do? I don't know why it's a problem. It's still worth a lot of money. So as they drag uh, Romeo and Juliet out, uh, Sparapartsky starts to rust up and seize and then starts to fall apart in the rust. So, so much for Sparapartsky. The rust storm has done him in. So do you think the rust storm is like a natural part of this planet? I mean, as natural as a planet made of junk can be. (laughs) 
crazy. You think he'd know better than to walk through the rest storm? You think so, but he's not very bright, apparently. So back in the clear, Fastbinder and Thunderbomb do a quick tune-up on their robot to get them in working order again. So, yay. And everyone has a big love fest about how they all saved each other. We're all friends now. We couldn't leave behind. You're our friend, etc., etc. And then Thunderbomb congratulates Fastbinder on how feelings being built into the robots actually turn out to be a good thing because it's why they saved them, because of their feelings of friendship and kinship. Aww. I know. Which still seems like a terrible idea to make robots with feelings, but what do I know? Just then, the rust storm behind them finally clears up and reveals that under all the metal, Sparparsky was actually being puppeteered by Gizmo. <gasps> Shocking. That's <laughs> <laughs> so Gizmo in red heart boxer shorts and <laughs> nothing else inside I mean, a metal case. Isn't that how you would puppet a giant metal creature? <laughs> Absolutely. So Gizmo actually did want to bang that robot the whole time. <laughs> and he gross. had this whole convoluted plan for getting Juliet to marry him. And then what? Like surprise her on his wedding night and surprise, I'm a human. And she'd be like, what? Which is dumb because she could have just, he could have just threatened to marry him her anyway like he could yeah. he could have said i'll marry you and i'll let your boyfriend free <laughs> or he could have just like you know while they're in space kicked romeo off the barge into the you know the void and been like well you're mine now juliet nothing you can do about it that's true too i mean i'm not uh, advocating for that i'm just saying if he's gonna be evil <laughs> there are better ways to be evil and even if he wanted to use Romy zero as a bargaining tool he could have easily done that himself and not as a giant Iron Man. <laughs> well, so he goes off on this lament about how they ruined his life and he did it all for love since she was the gadget he'd been waiting for all his life. So this guy clearly has a fetish. Yeah. Gross. And I'm still confused if the plan was to mass produce these robots, which means he could have gotten another one, so it's not that big a deal or not. But anyway, Gizmo cries that he knew Juliet would never have feelings for a silly old human like him, so he had to pretend to be a robot or something. <laughs> I don't care if he has a robot fetish. I kind of care that this is like a fairly young, appearing robot. No. I want to show you a photo <laughs> seems of this seems to robot. have feelings, which is a whole other issue. <laughs> Danielle, as soon as we're done with the main story, before we finish this podcast, I'm going to show you a picture from this show. You're going to tell me what these robots look like and okay. how distressingly young they are. <laughs> like, yeah, if they were like, uh, looked like adult robots, I'd still be an issue kidnapping them because they apparently have emotional states and we can get an argument about whether he should kidnap humans that don't have emotions too. But like, man. No, no. <laughs> Like, I mean, I guess better he's taking it out on a robot than a, a human, but But not if the robot still. has consciousness now. <laughs> I mean, even the robot had... Yeah, no, it's, uh, nothing about this. It all feels icky. It's all icky, gross. Daniel. This whole thing is icky and gross. <laughs> so, again, his plan was, to be clear, to pretend to be a robot, to force Julie to marry him, and maybe then fall in love with him over the course of years or something and then once she was in love with him reveal that i've been a human this whole time she wanted to stockholm syndrome him so something like she that. wanted her. he wanted to stockholm syndrome her <laughs> yeah something like that i don't know it's all insane it's very confusing so i think his plan was overcomplicated and unnecessary yeah he really didn't need to be a robot ever he could just kidnap her problem solved so when he says that she would never have a feeling for a silly old human like him miss fastbinder takes it as a cue to admit that you know she's been silly too because she has fallen in love with thunder Button. And he reciprocates, Danielle. Aww. This little jaunt has made them fall in love with each other. Glad they're not brother 
and sister. Yeah. Well, maybe they still are. We don't know. Yeah, no. They're clones, so who knows? Uh, That's true. Thunderbottom then turns sour as he reminds her that their companies hate each other and they'll never let them merge, quote unquote. Why? Which, which, good question, but also paints a very dystopian picture of how corporations control people's private lives, even if you're the head of that corporation. It's wild. They could just get like... Oh, the companies don't have to hate each other. The two leads of the companies just made up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's bonkers. It's absolutely crazy. I don't know why, but immediately after he says that, Fastbinder's like, oh, merger, what a great idea. And they start like, hey, let's talk about your know, merger names. It'll be Solar Mega, Mega Solar, whatever. Like, so they clearly get over that hurdle immediately. How about Mega Super Stellar Solar? Mega they stellar go through all super, of these and end up going like into Mega mushy. Solar. No, Danielle, you they do all of those and then eventually end up with like mushy pet names for each other. Aww. And they trundle off, holding hands and thinking of new names for their merger. Gizmo is briefly saddened that everyone is coupling off besides him. But then it's consoled by the fact that he still owns an entire planet of junk, which is his true love. Juliet then suggests, quote, Why don't you build yourself a nice little sweetheart of your own? Which, was that always an option? (laughs) Also, this raises a boatload of more questions because, oh boy, Oh boy, so that easy to build a robot. What kind of robot would Gizmo build for his personal predilections? Hopefully one that doesn't have an actual consciousness. (laughs) Hopefully one that is of a consenting age, because... Oh, boy. I do not want to know what robot he builds for himself, Danielle. It's It's got to be awful. It's got to be terrible. <laughs> Maybe it looks a lot like that nanny robot. What nanny robot? Oh, no. Not <laughs> many head nanny robot. Why'd you bring that thing up again, Danielle? I'd forgotten That's it existed. Hilarious. I was happy for a moment. I was briefly joyful that I forgot that thing existed. <laughs> You're welcome. You're the worst. <laughs> I'm here for you. So Gizmo's all like, great idea. Do you think Super Soul will lend me the blueprints? You know, for Juliet, no. presumably. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> go <laughs> but romeo says i don't know when they built this one they threw away the plans which uh. is a decidedly moronic way to run a business building <laughs> robots <laughs> i don't think he meant it i don't think he didn't mean it because like it's a phrase you- it's a phrase like constantly I know. threw away the yeah broke them all through i get yeah. it danielle but like also i think it's kind of not a phrase because he's like we can't give you the plans gizmo because they don't exist anymore but if they did exist, then they could just make more Juliet robots. So, like, this whole, like, artificial scarcity thing is insane. <laughs> I really don't think they'd get rid of them. I don't know, Daniel. I don't think they can make more than one of any of these robots. I think they look at like, <laughs> one robot at a time. It seems to be, like, they can't figure out how to mass produce any robot. The last part is Juliet and Romeo, they kiss. A heart freeze frame forms with the words scrawled across the screen. Oil's well, that ends well. Aww. And the credits roll. Bravo. Bravo. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Bravissimo. <laughs> I mean, this was a very technically, like, the animation was detailed and colorful. Like, it clearly was, a, you know, an impressive piece of hand-drawn animation. How did you come across this, Sam? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> had you watched it before, or was this new? Yes. I've watched it before, and I've told you about it before, Danielle. Have you really? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I, I bet if you looked at our chat logs, you would see me telling you about this. <laughs> That's entirely possible, let's be honest. I should search for it and see if that conversation made any more sense. You know what? I don't remember things that are not relevant or if they're too weird. Recently, with the whole podcast thing, if you say something about a weird piece of media, I try to immediately forget it in case you want to do it later. This might have been before we did the podcast. I can't remember. Then I certainly don't remember that. That was a very long time ago, Sam. Fair enough. As promised, let me send you a photo of Gizmo and Juliet. Okay. Bring it on. I'm so scared. No. I mean, she... Maybe she's like 
18. <laughs> Danielle, let me see the, the box cover art for this as well. I mean, I think her hair makes her look particularly young because it's in little pigtails. I think if she had hair that was longer, she would look older. Well, regardless, Danielle, she looks about 15 at best. She might be a little bit older. She definitely looks young, though. Yeah. Either way, it feels very creepy. I do think it's partly the hairstyle, but yes. And the hairstyle isn't helping, Danielle, but like... I mean, it's hard to tell a robot's age. <laughs> I do like their behavior and their voices. They no. all sound very young. I, I, I agree. I imagine that they, they come across as being very young. It's not like she looks very old. No. Either way, this creepy old gizmo guy trying to steal her is creeping. <laughs> <laughs> he is creepy looking. So there you go, Danielle. That is Romeo and Juliet. You know what? That was quite the, the show, Sam. It gets crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> like, it starts out like, oh, there's going to be a Romeo and Juliet thing. I know where this is going. You do not know where this is going. <laughs> I really just did not expect them to go to space. That really, really threw me off. <laughs> and the whole, like, oh, I pretend to be a robot to seduce a robot thing. Like, wild. I just don't understand that concept at all because he could have just seduced her on his own. Well, he is much older than her, regardless of her age. He's not young. No, he's like 50, <laughs> 60, something like that. He is, you know, gray haired. He's definitely an old grizzled dude. Yeah. It's a deeply uncomfortable uh, <laughs> thing, Danielle, when you think about it for, for a while. <laughs> I imagine they didn't think you were going to think about it. Well, I did, Danielle, and I made everyone here listening think about it too. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, any final questions about this thing, Danielle? No, I feel like you very thoroughly covered it. Thank you, though, for sharing. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to try to find you that, that nightmare of many-faced nanny bot just to have it haunt your dreams, too. No, I don't want to see it. Oh, Danielle, but you have to. But I don't want to see the nanny bot, Sam. <laughs> don't make me, mister. You described it very visually. I feel like it is in my head already. All right, but you should definitely check out the musical numbers. I think if we can, you should post one of the musical numbers from Romeo and Juliet to our Twitter for our lovely listeners to find. We will try our best. All right. Well, people out there, I would like your opinion on what sort of sex bot you think Gizmo would make in his <laughs> junk pile. Yeah, that's what we want to know from people. Uh, you can send a drawing even better. <laughs> can you send it to it? If you're going to draw, can you please send it to our email so Sam can look at it first? Also, uh, nothing too explicit, please. <laughs> Let, let, let's keep it let's keep it PG thirteen. <laughs> I don't want to have to look at it if I don't want to. <laughs> that's the that's the invitation, Danielle, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Send it to our email. <laughs> yeah, you can uh do that at bookretorts.com. You guess you could also tweet Instagram or Facebook us at Book Retorts. I mean, I wouldn't hold it against you. <laughs> And if for some reason this short and very weird episode makes you want more of this, you can support us at patreon.com slash book retorts. Book retorts. <laughs> I've never heard you sound more sad while cheering our Patreon Danielle. That was a disturbing episode. It really it, it really gets dark quick and never gets any better. Oh boy. Alright. Well, until next time, honestly, do not turn sentient robots into sex slaves. It's just not okay. Or just don't turn robots into sentient robots. Save ourselves some grief. Yeah, that too. I mean, <laughs> this is a whole bunch of no-nos in this episode. This whole <laughs> Romeo and Juliet saga, if nothing else, has taught us a bunch of things to avoid. It's been a great lesson in what not to do. That's true. It was a moral lesson. Yes. Well, a many, there are many moral lessons <laughs> that can be taken from this, Danielle. Unfortunately, some of them are creepier than others. <laughs> well, until next time, bye. Take care, everybody. Thank you.
More sirens. Could be the sequel. The sirens? No. Romy 1 and Julie 9. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel, Romy 1 and Julie 9. <laughs> Go pitch that one right now, Danielle. <laughs> All the stuff from the sirens are blaring. Perfect. That's not going to cut out my end of it. Thunderbottom's Revenge. <laughs> Rumi, Ron, and Julie Nye. Thunderbottom's Revenge. How about Gizmo gets his freak on? Uh, 